Greetings, podcast universe. This is Gary Stern. And this is Lucy Sang. We are the co-hosts of After the Glory podcast. Every elite athlete has one thing in common. Their careers on the field of play will only be a tiny fraction of the life of meaning and purpose they hope to live. As UCLA alums from different generations, Gary and I have discovered that the stories of these great athletes go far beyond their statistics. It is our pleasure to share these stories with our listeners. We hope you will enjoy this latest episode of After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Sang with Gary Stern, co-hosts of After the Glory podcast. And we're here today with Thomas Williams. Thomas Williams is an NFL player engagement ambassador, author, speaker, and philanthropist who ignites and inspires audiences to embrace their own greatness. Thomas works with athletes, students, and professionals, challenging them to push beyond a mundane lifestyle and enter into a life of greatness. In 2008, after playing for the University of Southern California Trojans, those of you who can't see my face, I have a odd grin going on right now. (laughs) Thomas entered the National Football League when he was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. As he played for the Jaguars, he also was with the New England Patriots, Buffalo Bills and Carolina Panthers. Thomas mastered four principles that influenced his career on and off the field. Those include goal setting, leadership, accountability, and fostering a winning team culture. Thomas, welcome to After the Glory. Uh, thank you so much, Lucy. It's uh, it's awesome to join everyone here today um, and then just get right into it to, uh, to see what type of magic we can bring. Absolutely. So, so like you said, right into it. Tell us about these four principles. Where did they come from? Was it just football or, or other things in life? So for me, as I'm 36 years old now, and so as I kind of reflect and get an opportunity to look back over the course of my life, I see kind of like, what are the central themes? Like, where did I learn certain lifestyle skills? Where did I learn certain skill sets that have helped me overachieve? And then also where are some things that have kind of, I guess, prevented me from growth. And so a lot of the, the areas of my life that have helped me in playing, you know, football, but also helping me run a business and being, you know, the, reach the amount of success that I have uh, has come from football. And so come from, you know, those are the things that have helped me with life. And so whether it was, playing at USC and winning a whole bunch of games or it was playing on terrible teams in the NFL and losing a whole bunch of games. Like you, you, for me, I got an opportunity to see what a well-oiled machine was. And then also what's a machine that you probably need to throw this thing out and let's start back from scratch and in square one. And so um, I've learned, you know, the leadership is the biggest thing. And so where a lot of people think that leadership comes from, like this is our team's leadership. Um, I think it's actually from the individual. Let's take, for example, um, you know, the bubble in the NBA finals that are that recently, or NBA um, season that took place down in Orlando. It's the leadership from each individuals who, you know, did the protocol, made sure that they maintained social distancing, did everything that they possibly could individually to help the overall success of the NBA season, you know, to be successful and and to sustain um, the way that it has. And so for me, I learned that in college, it was, I need to do everything that I possibly can right, even though if I'm not a starter, even if I'm second team, third team, fourth team, whatever it is, that even though I'm, I'm not the star of the show, I still have a role, I still have a part. And so 
understanding that as far as leadership then helps us as the team in the unit collectively move in the proper direction. You know, and I could I could literally talk about all of these that way, but I would I would love to uh, to get into the dialogue with you of, of which ones do you find fascinating and interesting, and, and, and which one can we hit on? Well, let me uh, follow up on that, Thomas. Uh, one of the quotes uh, that you uh, have at your website is a marvelous one because it, it it had to have come from a lifetime of of, of experience in in the world of uh, of sport. You say athletes are great people first who just so happen to be great athletes. Greatness may have started with sports, but it doesn't end when you retire. Greatness is a lifestyle. That is profound, but I suspect it had to have started early. Take us back to learning to play football, uh, your childhood into high school, and what brought you to the place that you suddenly said, you know, I I could be pretty darn good in this sport. Wait a minute. First off, Gary, are you stalking me? No, are you no, no. Stalking me? Are you? <laughs> oh no. Hey, man, you, you, you're, you're you're getting a little too personal. We just met over the Zoom. Come on, now you know. At least talk to me a little bit. Get to know me. But uh, yeah, I think I think with the the whole aspect with that, where it came from, Gary was um, I retired in 2012, and so right around the time I retired, um, an alumni from USC invited me to go to a Dodger game. And so about middle of the game, he says, hey, let's walk up to the concession stands, grab something to eat, grab a beer, and, and you know, let's do what they do at, you know, at baseball games, get the Cracker Jacks and, you know, buy me some peanuts and a whole nine. So we stand in line, and his name was Pete Damascus. And Pete said, Thomas, um, what are you going to do now that your playing career is over? And I looked at him, and it was like I, I'd heard this question before, but it was like someone's right in my face, and I can't really duck and dodge because we're like the 14th person in line, and so this is going to be like a 30-minute conversation, not just one of those things that for five minutes you can kind of you know shy away from it. And I said, I'm not really sure, and that was one the first time that I had to be vulnerable and honest with the situation that I really don't know what I'm going to do because I'd only perfected playing football. And the advice that Pete gave me, gave me that quote, really. And he said, well, why don't you get yourself a nice looking suit and you come down and I'll get you a job interview and see if you can work for, I think it was Merrill Lynch at the time. And he might be with like Wells or someone, someone in the banking industry. And I said, Pete, I don't know anything about money. I know how to make it. I know how to spend it. And he's like, don't worry about any of that. I can teach you everything you need to know about money. But what I can't teach is what football taught you. And when he told me that situation, I said, wow, what do you mean I have these tangible skills that are like actually valuable? Because you think when you're done playing that I'm not gonna be able to run down the field and catch a ball anymore, I'm not gonna be able to tackle, I'm not gonna be able to bench press. Like you can't really get paid to bench press unless you're in bodybuilding. And for me, I'm not a bodybuilder, um, even though I like to work out. But at that moment, he taught me that there's skills that I have. There's this unique set of skills that have been ingrained in my body, in my mind, in just my being, to be completely honest. Maybe there's something there. And even though I took it as an insult that I didn't have, you know, the, the, the best clothes at the time, because I'm like, wait a minute, I thought I do have some nice suits. But because he told me, hey, get yourself a nice looking suit. But I said, hmm, from here on out, I'm going to check out what he's talking about. And from there, there were so many people who asked me that I wanted to come work for their company and their firm. Or did I have friends who were professional athletes or college student athletes who they just wanted to take advantage of our mindsets, our motivation, our time management, all these transferable skills 
to help them succeed. And so that's where I got the quote from. But I never knew that when I was playing football. Like I never knew that there was, I was actually, you know, hand behind the line meant something that was going to be much more than just football or, hey, you know what, exhaust yourself on this next rep or practice as hard as you possibly can. Always run to the football, always show up early. I didn't know that these were things that would serve me outside of sports. I thought they were just things that would serve me uh, on the team so I wouldn't get yelled at, so I wouldn't, you know, sit the bench, so I wouldn't get disciplined. They were actually all these life lessons that still serve me to this day as a fiance, you know, soon to be married as a husband, and then also as a father. And so a lot of these things, um, I still look back and I go, what would Pete Carroll do in this situation? What would Coach Norton tell me to do in this situation? I go, oh, okay. And um, it served me well. And when we come back, we'll ask Thomas to dive a little deeper into his upbringing and what has brought him to this lifestyle of greatness on After the Glory, here with Gary Stern, Lucy Singh, and Thomas Williams. Thinking about a new or used car? Think Infinity of Thousand Oaks. We've been serving Thousand Oaks in Southern California for years. We have new, used, and certified pre-owned Infinity vehicles available now with many special offers. There's something for everyone at Infinity of Thousand Oaks, your home for the best deals on Infinity cars. With the COVID pandemic, we offer contactless sales. Call our office at 805-262- 7442 or visit com. Pick out a vehicle and we'll deliver it to your home or office with all the paperwork done with the power of the internet. Our award-winning sales and service team is waiting to give you the best service in buying a vehicle you've ever had. Call us today at 805-262-7442 and make an appointment for your new 2021 Infinity or visit our website at infinityofthousandoaks.com. Infinity of Thousand Oaks is a proud sponsor of After the Glory. Have you ever wanted to experience the thrill of playing spring training baseball with some of the game's legends? At LADABC, we believe you should be able to live your dream of being a pro baseball player, and now you can. The LADABC Adult Baseball Camp is an independently owned and operated fantasy camp for men and women over the age of 30. As an independent camp, you can be a fan of any team from any city and you'll feel right at home with us. Our next camp is scheduled for November 7th through the 13th, 2021, and will be held at the historic Dodger Town Complex in Vero Beach, Florida, now known as the Jackie Robinson Training Complex. You'll play ball all week long on the best practice fields in the nation. You'll enjoy use of state-of-the-art facilities, and you'll be pampered and cared for just like a major leaguer. We invite you to visit our website and sign up for our November 2021 camp. Just go to www.ladabc.com. That's ladabc.com. And we're back on After the Glory with uh, Lucy Sang, yours truly, Gary Stern, and our special guest, Thomas Williams, a former college player, standout player with the USC Trojans, and then uh, an NFL career that unfortunately was cut short by a neck injury, but uh, uh, led directly to uh, greatness that has been manifested after leaving the field of play. Thomas, we were talking before the break about a little bit of, of, of sort of the mantras that you've lived by, and they had to have started when you were young. And I know that uh, you refer to this in your website that the uh, you, you had sort of the, the notion from a teacher that because of who you were and where you were, where you grew up and so forth, that perhaps you weren't going to make it uh, exactly the wrong thing to say by a teacher, but perhaps a blessing in disguise. Can you tell us a little about that? 
and how that uh, motivated you as you made your way through uh, your teenage years and uh, onto USC. Man, you nailed it. It was, um, there's so many pivotal moments in our lives where if, if we can, you know, literally see the signs, you kind of just pause and you yield. Um, I think one of those, that, that moment happened to me in sixth grade where it was time for me to, I was going left, which is we equate to wrong sometimes. Um, and then it was time for me to go right, literally. And so, um, my mom came home from parent teacher conference in sixth grade and she was just kind of sobbing and she was quiet. And normally parent teacher conferences weren't the best, but it wasn't terrible. It was just Thomas is, uh, he does really good at lunch. Recess is his favorite subject. And you know, he, he, he doesn't normally turn in all of his homework. And it's another one on there too is, is, you know, Thomas talks too much in class, which I tell my mom all the time. Now I get, I got kicked out of class for talking too much and I get paid to go to class and speak. So it's like, <laughs> I, I was just, it's just a nice internship for me growing up. Um, and so I hit my 10,000 hours early, but for, for that day in particular, when my mom walked in, I'd seen that face before. And that was the face. And those were the tears that I saw when I was exposed to domestic violence, when my parents were married, when I was really young. And I was thinking to myself, well, what did the parent, what, what did the teacher say at the parent teacher conference? And he, and he told her, um, by the time I was 16 years old, because of the way that I was living in sixth grade at 12. Um, so in four years, if I continue to live the life that I'm living and I'm on the trajectory that I'm going to be the leader of the gang one day, I'll probably end up selling drugs and I'll eventually end up dead. And so when my mom mumbled those words because she was crying so bad. I just thought to myself, what have I done? Because I thought I was just going to school and I was being tough and I was just doing what boys do. And, you know, you roughhouse on the playground and, you know, you, you tell some funny jokes and interrupt the teacher as she's trying to teach the rest of the students. Like, I just thought I was living normally. And I didn't know that the effects of, of how I represent my family, how I represent also the people who are also other people who are living in my household or my last name. And so at that moment, I just said to her, I just held her so tight and and clenched her as she was crying. And I just remember making the promise to myself of one day, I'm going to give you tears of joy. I don't know how I'm going to do it at 12, but I only basically have four years. If it's up to the sixth grade teacher that here's the way that I'm going to live. So from here, I, everything that I've been doing, I have to do it completely opposite. So if I put my left sock on first, I was immediately, Gary, went to putting on my right sock first. Uh, if I, you know, hung out in the back of the classroom, I started hanging out in the front of the classroom. You know, in on recess, I started letting other people play tetherball before I did. Like, I just switched up my whole mentality. It wasn't until about the ninth grade, um, actually, when football, when I got introduced to playing football, that that's where I started to see kind of the fruit of the labor, so to speak, of, of what I've been trying to accomplish from, you know, the middle of sixth grade all the way to ninth grade. And a funny story is I went from a 2.3 grade point average, eighth grade to my first semester in ninth grade to a 3.5. And it was because of the conversation that that teacher had with my mom about, I'm going to be a drug dealer and I'm going to end up dead. It was like, I needed to prove him wrong, but at the same time, I needed to prove my mom right. And so that was the mindset for me to have is that my mom is rooting for me. He's rooting against me. So I have to prove him wrong and I have to prove her right. 
and got introduced to football in ninth grade, uh, got some discipline, got some structure, you know, understood, you know, delayed gratification. What does that mean? Work now, you know, celebrate later, that, that sort of thing. And yeah, I went from a 2.3 to a 3.5. Um, and one of my proudest moments was uh, getting an A in, in like the ninth grade math class because I, I was terrible at it. And it was just like, okay, you suck at it. You're not good at it. What do you need to do? And so I would, I would show up every single day before school, meet with my teacher, meet with him at lunch. And yeah, I ended up getting an A. So Thomas, you mentioned that your first real kind of experience with football wasn't until ninth grade, whereas, you know, most of the guests that we've spoken with and most of the elite players talk about starting their sport young before they could probably even walk. Tell us about your experience in becoming an elite athlete, an elite football player when you just started in ninth grade and what the process was going to USC. So the funny, the funny story is that is a lot of times, just like you had mentioned, in 2020, we're getting asked the questions as athletes, uh, you know, when should my kids start to, to prepare and focus on this one sport? Because we're specializing in, in like baseball in the fourth grade when you can't get drafted at least till you're 18, which to me doesn't make sense. And so I tell people all the time and how I lived was we played whatever was on TV. So if it was basketball season, we played basketball. If it was baseball season, we played baseball. You know, if it was football, so on and so forth, all the way up until until I graduated high school. But for me, I was a baseball player growing up. Like I, I loved all the other sports. I was just really good at baseball. And so it wasn't until summer of eighth grade where the high school coach would call my house once a week during the summer and ask me to come out and join the rest of the, the incoming freshmen in the off-season workouts. And I'd always deny him. Sometimes I would try to not even answer the phone. Like he would call and I would know that he was going to call on a Wednesday around one o'clock. And I would even tell my mom, don't pick up when you see it was right around the time when it was like caller ID came out and I said when you see Ed Santa Padre do not pick up and so one of these times I don't know if I got caught slipping or if I didn't know if he was calling but I picked up and he said why don't you come out to practice with the rest of the team I said coach I'm a baseball player I'm going to play major league baseball and I don't want to get hurt, hurt in football and he's like well you can do both football season is in the fall baseball's in the spring and I was like shoot he's got me because I thought that was going to be an answer that would be able to tell him like, hey, I never call me back again. And so um, it wasn't until a few weeks later we were playing a national tournament in Tennessee, and I was on second base, and my teammate who came up behind me hit the ball to right field. I'm traveling around third base, and third base coach tells me to stop, and I'm like, I am just committed to making it home. So I'm running, run through his stop sign, run, 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 and the catcher catches the ball, but the catcher's about three to four feet up the line, which means he's close to third base. He's blocking me from doing what I would normally do, which is score. And so I got an option. Do I go around them or do I slide under them? Or maybe I jump over them. Ah, my natural reaction was lower your shoulder and let's run them over. So and as soon as I ran them over, as soon as I ran them over, the umpire, I look up and I'm thinking he dropped the ball. He's going to call me safe. The umpire yells, he's out of here. And in my mind, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to get in trouble, but my soul literally jumped out of my skin and started screaming. It, it's almost like I had the reaction of, whoo, I finally found out what I'm supposed to do. It was the physical contact in that moment that told me, hey, Thomas, this is what you're supposed to do. And Thomas, let me interrupt for a second. We're going to go to break, <laughs> but let me tell you something. You have just described the genesis of Thomas the Hitman Williams <laughs> at USC. When we come back, 
Thomas on the football field at USC and beyond. When we come back on After the Glory with Gary Stern, Lucy Sang, and our guest, Thomas Williams. Since 1980, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern has been known as a lawyer's lawyer, passionate about his clients and equally passionate about bringing honor, dignity, and respect to the legal profession. Gary Stern represents folks seriously injured because of healthcare negligence, defective and dangerous products and property, neglect in long-term care facilities, and careless operation of cars and trucks. He has successfully resolved hundreds of cases for his clients, providing them with the financial help they needed during trying times. Gary Stern is a member of the prestigious National Trial Lawyers Top 100, active with consumer attorneys of Los Angeles and California, and is admitted to the bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. And most important, I am proud to call him dad. You can reach Gary Stern at 818-710-2717 or visit his website at www.sternlaw.org. University Credit Union has been providing a financial edge to members for 70 years. Now you can earn more with University Credit Union. Earn up to 5% APY with a university checking account for the banking you already do. Save more when you switch your deposits and loans to University Credit Union. Bank with your brain. Visit ucu.org to join today. Federally insured by NCUA. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Lucy Sang here from Resiliency. I am a certified life coach focused on working with athletes and like-minded people in finding and pursuing success in life outside of sports. My goals are to serve as an accountability partner and offer different perspectives while my clients are facing big challenges and decisions. I also lead workshops and offer group coaching on topics such as avoiding burnout or transferable skills. Follow me on Instagram at resiliency, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E, underscore coaching, resiliency underscore coaching, for more information. As a co-host of After the Glory, I am excited to share my expertise in working with athletes and look forward to connecting with all you listeners to learn more of your stories as well. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Sang with my co-host Gary Stern and our special guest Thomas Williams. Thomas, let's dive right into USC. What was your experience like playing for such an elite football team? I think it was probably the pinnacle of my athletic career. So coming out of high school, being you know a five-star athlete, going into USC, winning 59 games, I think losing six. Um, you know, most of those losses were by single digits and it was, yeah, it was, it was the, the roller coaster and it was like the Mecca, you know, you're in LA, big market, you're winning all of these games. There's no other professional team and you're Thomas, kind of like I have the, to put it out there. Please don't rub it in with these Bruins here. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm saying, I didn't say you were, I didn't say we were the only team in LA. I said it was like we were the only professional team in LA. Oh my goodness. Dagger just, goes deeper into the heart. I'm just saying, you know, it was, uh, it was just something that was becoming as 18 year old freshmen. And there was a lot of older players who had built, you know, the walls of Troy, the Carson Palmers, the Troy Palomalos, the Kerry Colbert, the Sean Cody's. I mean, the list literally goes on and on. And so when when you step in and you start playing 
really good football and, and, you know, you have hall of fame people like Ronnie Lott and Marcus Allen and, and Charles White and, you know, the late great junior stay who are, you know, saying what's up to you on campus in the locker rooms. Like it, it, it's surreal. It, it's like, you've almost kind of stepped into, you know, you're, you're, you're going from mortal to immortal, you know, in, in the football world. And so you, there's nothing that describes it that will ever be able to bring it to context to what it was. It was literally undescribable. And looking back at it, you know, even talking with my buddies now, it's like, wow, we really did that. But because, but we were in it so deep that we never knew to the magnitude of what it was. Um, and it's literally saying the glory days. Thomas, when you finished up at USC, you were drafted uh, by the uh, Jaguars. Uh, we were talking off the air that uh, the Jaguars looked like they were on the um, uh, upswing and then uh, it didn't go so well uh, in terms of their record. Um, you had about a five-year uh, NFL career, and uh, injuries uh, brought that to an end. And we've had a number of guests who've talked about uh, their football experience in the NFL from the standpoint of the physical and mental toil that it takes. Uh, share with us a little bit about your time in the NFL and really how that, as much as anything, created in you the sense of what you can do with your life once their playing days were over. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you th I think about as much as, uh, so now having a family of my own, and uh, sometimes I look at the situation and wish that they would have been able to be a part of it, uh, part of it meaning my football career, and I have to, you know, had a wife and had children and, and, and grow them and raise them around the game, uh, because it's, it's such a family sport and, and a family activity. But I look at the, the highlight where I spent so much time um, alone that I had to really study my craft and I had to understand myself and understanding the dynamics of, you know, the mental side of sports, the physical side of sports, but also the business side. Like I, I was able to study, you know, some teammates who had ventures off the field. Um, I was able to have conversations with Robert Kraft about Gillette and owning the Patriots and how are the two similar, but how are they different? How do they run? How do you operate? What's leadership like in a locker room versus leadership like in a boardroom? So I say all of that because what it really showed me is that we're actually more than athletes. Like we're so much more than people who put on jerseys and helmets. We're really a rich man's uh, video game. You know, I got, I got a little brother who wants the PlayStation. I think it's five that's out or six, five. Um, and he's not going to be able to get it. And it, it, it's unfortunate because they're all sold out. But there's a whole bunch of rich men who have real-life PlayStation 5s, PlayStation 20s, and 25s, and they just come at the defense of people. And so on a video game, you can press pause, but in real life, you can't. Um, if a player gets hurt in a video game, he doesn't get hurt in real life. If you get hurt in real life, your game stops. You go on injured reserve. Um, somebody else fills your role. They're going to bring somebody in to replace you. I mean, there's so many different life nuances that that are, you know, applicable uh, to that. And so as I got done playing football, the, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do was I wanted to be a resource um, for college student athletes and then also professional athletes who transition out. And the reason I thought about it was I was on an airplane coming back from Tampa Bay all the way to California, literally the next day after I retired, and I said, what do I want to do? And I just started taking a whole bunch of notes. And it hit me that as athletes, when you get to college, you have a syllabus for your class. You know, they tell you what books and these are the dates for the tests. And 
you know, these are your homework assignments. You have a, 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 a book in the weight room that tells you, you know, 70% of your max on squats, 30% of your max on shoulders. You know, these are your 110 times, 40 times. The same thing on the football field or, or whatever your sport is, you know, on this formation, you line up here, here, and here. But there's not a playbook for life. There's not a, a, a specific book that I can come and I can look at, okay, when I'm done playing, what are the three things that I need to have in place? Uh, my scholarship check lasts for four years. And so you're telling me the day that I graduate, I don't have a scholarship check, but what am I supposed to do for my rent in the following month? What am I supposed to do for my car payment? Um, I, have, I have an identity that as a football player, I love, but I have no clue. I can tell you everything about my game. I run this fast, I jump this high, I bench press this much. But what are some of the skills that make me a, a happy person? What are some of those, what are some of those tangibles that actually make me who I am? Because as an athlete, I was an athlete from the age of five to the 27. So, you know what, that's 22 years. I'm going to be a human being, God willing, for the next 70. So if I'm going to be a human being for 70 and I have no clue who I am as a human being, there's an imbalance. And so with that imbalance comes a whole bunch of confusion, depression, doubt, uncertainty. So I wanted to one, be a resource for people to understand like, hey, you're not the only one who goes, who's going through this. And also, this is a really cool experiment and a journey as opposed to a really sad destination. What you just shared with us is a wonderful culmination of what you put in your books. Can you tell us more about how our listeners can get access and what they might find in those pages? Yeah, so first book I wrote is uh, Permission to Dream, which is about... Um, how young students, whether it's middle school or high school, how do you identify your passion? And also too, what are some obstacles that you should expect to receive uh, as you're traveling through the journey to, to get there to your passion and to your purposes? And so um, I then wrote a book called The Relentless Pursuit of Greatness, which is that playbook that I was just talking about for college student athletes of how do I strike gold while the iron is hottest? And, and, and it's, we talk about things from identity to transferable skills to time management, to financial literacy, you know, internships, networking, just everything that you need for when you're done playing because you don't have to start thinking about the transition when the transition is, is in your face. You start to think about the transition as soon as you get on college campuses. As soon as you keep playing, um, a wise man once told me is that you don't start, the, the NFL teams who draft you don't prepare for your backup when you leave, they prepare for your for your backup when you first walk through the door. Let me just say this, Thomas, because we're running out of time on, on this edition of After the Glory. Um, but both of those books are available. Lucy and I both encourage you, uh, our listeners, to pick up one or both of those books. They have some incredible lessons. You know, we created this show, After the Glory, uh, uh, to to deal with very with all of these issues. And I had no idea when we started this that there was an athlete. Uh, as articulate, as intelligent, and quite frankly, as charismatic as Thomas Williams uh, coming out of the NFL and speaking truth to the athletes out there, young and older. Uh, so, Thomas, thank you for enlightening all of us. Uh, it was a, a wonderful uh, opportunity to spend some time with you today, and uh, we appreciate your time. That's it for this edition of After the Glory. This is Gary Stern, along with Lucy Singh, on behalf of Thomas Williams saying thank you and we'll see you next time.